raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Final hour coming up on a Friday. Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Brendan King. And, of course, with you tonight as well as tomorrow evening. As Coach Lovell likes to say, yes, we are on Saturday nights. We'll be with you on your local Network Indiana affiliate, 930 to midnight. And look forward to you tuning in. Again, Coach Lovell's back with you less than a month from now for high school football season. Pumped about that. I'm excited to have another year working on this show in season number 30. Personally, I'm going to start year six on this program. That's pretty crazy to say. Boy, oh boy, year number six. Well, that's nothing compared to 30 years. Congrats to Coach Lovell on an unbelievable milestone. Coming up here at the end of this show, David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, as well as The Recap. Give him a follow on Twitter, at the Catman, Chicago sports legend. He'll jump on at 11.15. Kevin Bowen from 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. KB will be with us at 11.30. And then to close out the show, we hope to hear from Howard Kelman, the play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Indians. And if they get done on time, my broadcast partner, Max Toma, from the South Bend Cubs. He is on the road this weekend in Davenport, Iowa, as the Cubs face the Quad Cities River Bandits, one of the best logos ever, by the way. The Quad Cities River Bandits logo is a raccoon with a cowboy hat on. It is fabulous. It is 100% done well, one of the best logos in all of minor league baseball. But again, some Colts talk coming up at 1130 with Kevin Bowen. And asked Greg Rakestraw the question of what he wants to see from Anthony Richardson as we get into training camp, which is just about 10 days away. You know, to me, as the Colts are currently in this limbo, trying to get this contract extension done, with Jonathan Taylor, and they're looking to reshape their wide receiver room with, of course, Michael Pittman leading the way and Alec Pierce heading into year two. You know, with the Colts and what the offense currently is, you have invested so much money, just so much money into the offensive line, and you hope that they can give Anthony Richardson a chance. But even though that Richardson might be and fall victim at times, to exactly what happened to Andrew Luck early in his career, to me there is no benefit for letting Anthony Richardson sit. This is completely different from the Kansas City Chiefs kind of easing Patrick Mahomes into the job. Alex Smith had the starting reins, but Alex Smith led a pretty good Chiefs team. They were pretty good at the time. Solid weapons, they were just rounding in the form of what they are today. Just the simple ingredients at the time, we're there for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes did not need to be running that offense because Alex Smith was fully capable. Now, you might say Gardner Minshew, he's capable of leading this offense. It's not like the Colts are going anywhere. Probably true in the grand scheme of things because this year, quite frankly, it's going to get ugly at times. Last year, ugly. This year, probably pretty ugly too. But you have to see what you have in Anthony Richardson because you do not have necessarily the body of work with him in college. He didn't play a lot at Florida. He had some substantial moments at the Swamp, but you didn't get everything you need to know. That's what makes him so raw, and that was the conversation heading into the draft, where Will Levis is an option. You probably have seen more Will Levis than Anthony Richardson, but Anthony Richardson's ceiling is why you draft him, and that's why I called upon, hopefully, Chris Ballard to select him, which he did. But you got to see what Anthony Richardson can do 
with a Jonathan Taylor before you decide possibly to let him go. You need to see what Anthony Richardson can do with a Michael Pittman Jr. before you decide if you're going to pay him. I can't wait to see Anthony Richardson with Josh Downs. That kid looks like a firework that is just waiting to be launched. Alec Pierce in year two, Pierce had that one special moment, right, when he caught that ball downfield on the near side for Matt Ryan, game-winning touchdown. That was awesome. Now, those moments are probably, there's going to be more of them. But you're not going to have those moments for Alec Pierce if Alec Pierce is in the same situation that Michael Pittman Jr. was in over the last two years, where you had zero wide receiver depth, so Michael Pittman Jr. is now being double-teamed half of the game. What are you supposed to do? That's not on Pittman. That's on the Colts' failure to surround him with talent. Because, look, over the last couple of years, it's not like that wide receiver room was very good. Zach Pascal at times in the Carson Wentz year was your number two wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton couldn't stay healthy, so Zach Pascal had to go into that number two role. So what is this all boiling down to? You need to see what Anthony Richardson can do with the studs. Because if you're going to decide to rip this thing apart, what Anthony Richardson then does with C and D players, you can't put that on AR5. You need to see what AR5 can do with a bunch of studs. That way you know when he is given the correct pieces, he can lead you to W's. And that's exactly why Anthony Richardson is your week one starter, as he should be if that decision is made for the Indianapolis Colts. Coming up after the break, scoreboard update with Parker Webster, the great David Kaplan, Chicago sports legend, and talks him. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Cubs and White Sox coming out next. Back at it again with the scoreboard update here on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Going ahead and starting off with our AAA affiliate, the Indianapolis Indians, and their game tonight, a big win against the Omaha Storm Chasers, winning 13-5, having the biggest inning in the top of the third, and a big night for Andy Rodriguez, who went Four for three, or three for four at the plate, pardon me, with five RBIs brought in, striking out just once on the evening as we continue on looking here at the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, having a good night, beating, or almost a good night, losing to the Great Lakes, Great Lakes Loons, three to two, as they will play again tomorrow at Great Lakes at 7.05 p.m. Continuing on, what we have left in action in the MLB in the bottom of the fifth inning, 
nodded at four apiece with the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Angels as it continues to go back and forth. Both teams having two runs scored here in the fifth inning as we continue on. That game will continue to go throughout this final hour. And the end of the fourth inning tied at three. The Minnesota Twins and the Oakland Athletics nodded up together. The top of the fourth, the Minnesota Twins scored one. In the bottom of the third inning, the A's brought in two runs. We stand again, four hits apiece and three runs apiece as well. Continuing on here, looking now at IndyCar as July 15th will be the qualifications for the Honda Indy Toronto. Today's practices, top finishers, Kyle Kirkwood, followed by Romain Grosjean, Felix Rosenquist, Colton Herta, and Scott McLaughlin, all in that order. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Parker Webster. It's Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Time to chat. With the Chicago sports legend, one of my favorites, David Kaplan from ESPN 1000, as well as the recap. Talked with Cap all things Cubs, White Sox. We'll toss it to that interview right now. Cap, glad you're getting some vacation time. Appreciate you squeezing us in. How's the summer been, my friend? It's been awesome. I'm ready for football. Disappointing where our baseball teams are, although I think the Cubs... Uh, can get off to a pretty solid second-half start because they've got 10 at home, then two at White Sox, who may by that point have sold a bunch of guys, and then four in St. Louis, who's having a terrible year. And then the trade deadline's here, and they come home again to have, I think, four with the Reds. So you've got, you know... 10 at home, and then 6 or 16 going into that red series, you could look radically different. So we'll see. Cap, I was about to start right there, specifically at the trade deadline. Listening to you and Hoodie in Chicago, I think it's easy to identify that the Cubs need a third baseman, whether that's Jamer Candelario, whether that's Matt Chapman. What's the move that has to happen to set the Cubs out of that cannon like you just described? Well, they have to address their bullpen. Their bullpen's just not good enough. I know Michael Fulmer has uh, pitched better since late May. He's been actually pretty darn good since late May. He gave up a home run last week, uh, and they lost by a run. But other than that outing, I I think he'd gone something like 12 straight outings without getting scored on. So he's been better. I love Adbert Alzelay. Is he a lockdown closer in a pennant race? He's never done it, so until he shows he could do that, we don't know. We'll find out. But they've got to go get a lefty. Like, I would buy low on Aaron Bummer. I'm looking at Jake Diekman, who I don't think is very good. He was horrific with the White Sox. Well, Tampa picks him up after he gets DFA'd. He's got an ERA in the twos, and they asked him the other day, you know, why? Why are you so much better? He said, to be honest with you, I did not trust the catching in Chicago that if I threw all my stuff and a lot of it, he throws, you know, really heavy diving, breaking stuff. He said, I didn't know if they block it here. These guys are defensive minded catchers. Mm. I knew they were going to block it. So Aaron Bummer has electric stuff. He has not pitched well. Maybe he just needs to get out of a bad situation on the south side of Chicago. I think you can buy low and take a shot, but they've got to add at least two bullpen arms. David Kaplan's our guest from ESPN 1000, as well as the recap. Check it out on Twitter, at the Capman. Uh, Cap, as much as a lefty is needed in the bullpen to make up for Brandon Hughes' injury out there, man, it was cool to watch Justin Steele in the All-Star game this week and what he has developed into. Do you believe to Jay Steele there's still another level that he can tap into? I do. Now... 
Yeah, he had an arm issue uh, this season where he had some cramping in his forearm. And some people believe when you have a forearm issue, it's a precursor of a bigger problem in your elbow. They did an MRI and said everything looks healthy and strong. So I think he missed two starts. He came back through 75 pitches in his next start. And then they pretty much have let him get back to that 90-95 pitch range. They're ne- Look, when you get to September, you take the gloves off with your top guys, and you absolutely, if you're trying to win a division or get to a playoff or win a pennant, you take the gloves off and let them go. But until that point, you got to be very careful with this kid. From ESPN 1000 and the recap, David Kaplan is with us. Cap, just talking about Justin Steele and what he has done this year. Anybody else specifically on this team that you've been really impressed with, especially over the last two weeks? Who else have I really liked? I think Say Suzuki gets a bad rap from people. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Say is top 20 in Major League Baseball in hard hit rate at the All-Star break. He just has hit into a lot of bad luck. They were at New York the other day. He had two balls 110 miles an hour, and both were fielded by the Yankee shortstop. So, you know, I'd rather take my chances on positive momentum with him. The other day, Domingo Herman has a no-hitter going. It's a guy through a perfect game. I mean, he's no joke. And he breaks the no-hitter up in the fifth with a solo homer and then wins you the ball game with a sacrifice fly to left. So I'm I'm a big say a guy. We'll find out if he continues this upward ascent. Cap, looking at the South Side, seven games back, we'll make it eight games back actually. Thirty-eight and fifty-four at the break. Is this a players' thing? Is this a Grafol thing? Is this on Han and Kenny, or is this on Jerry, or is it like a Long Island iced tea that you order at a bar and there's a little bit of everything in there? Uh, I think that's a great analogy. I'm going to steal that from you. That is a <laughs> really credit. really good one. Yeah, I'll give you credit. That is a really good analogy. I'm not a Pedro Grafol guy. I'm not. I, You know, the other day they threw out Sebi Zavala at the plate. And nobody out. Nobody out in the ball game. Why are you sending him? Ozzie Guillen said on the postgame show, and I talked to Ozzie yesterday about it. He said, look, if you need that run desperately and there's nobody out, you better be 100% sure that guy's going to score unless he blows out his hamstring coming around the bag and there's nothing you can do about it. You better believe there's no way they're throwing him out. They threw him out easily. And they asked Pedro after the game, I had no problem with it. And he defends his guys to the death. Well, it's going to be to the death of his managerial career because I don't think he'll ever get another opportunity. Hmm. I, I, I don't think he holds his guys accountable. I see a team that's basically quit. Now that said, I think he was handed a lousy roster, not in terms of talent, in terms of chemistry. There is something radically wrong in that White Sox clubhouse. It, there just is. And they, I've said this on the air, and I've heard from people over there, what are you talking about? They're all good people. Doesn't matter. You are a good person. I'm a good person. But if we work together and we, there's just something off and we don't click, doesn't mean we're not good people. It means we're just not a good mix. Hmm. So I look at their roster. I look at, you know, Moncada. Guy can't stay healthy. Jimenez can't stay healthy. The pitching, eh, it's been okay. Why is Joe Kelly throwing 100 miles an hour and getting pounded? He'll have moments where you look and go, boy, that guy should be a closer. And then you go back and he's got, I think, eight career saves. There are just 
too many of those examples for me that the White Sox are a poorly constructed group. David Kaplan, our guest, Cap, last thing before we let you go, just a total baseball question, not even Chicago-related necessarily. Does Shohei Otani get traded at the deadline? He has to. He has to. Look, he's not re-signing with the Angels. They're not close to a sale yet. You know, if you told me that the Steve Cohen Part 2 was going to finalize the, tra- the deal to buy the team in the next month, okay, then you keep him and he'll probably re-sign there. That's not going to happen. He can revamp your farm system with one trade. If you're the Mariners, you're the Rangers, you're the Yankees, if you believe we got enough talent here to win the World Series, we need just a little something to put us over the top, <laughs> I'll hand you a generational player, maybe the greatest player ever. You pay the price. If I'm the Cubs, you're going to call me and go, okay, I'll let you have Shohei Otani for two and a half months. Does that put me over the top to win the World Series? Probably not. I don't think they're at that point yet. And you're going to ask me for Pete Crow Armstrong and Cade Horton and all these guys. No, absolutely not. But if I'm the Texas Rangers, okay, I lost my number one starter. He's out for the year, Jacob DeGrom. I got nothing but money down here. We've been spending like drunken sailors. Okay, here you go. Here's my prospects. I'm trying to win the World Series. That's what you're in it for. You're trying to win a World Series. So whatever the cost is, who cares if you win? So I think there's a handful of teams. The Reds aren't going to give you their entire farm system that they've spent a decade trying to build up. The Cubs aren't. So there's a handful of teams that would do it. And, yes, I think he gets me. He is the best. David Kaplan, ESPN 1000, as well as the recap. Follow him on Twitter, at the Catman for all those recap videos. Cap, we always appreciate the time on IST. Have a great rest of your vacation, my friend. Hopefully see you soon. Appreciate it. Getting ready to go out on the water right now. It's beautiful. So have a great day and a great weekend. It sounded like a beautiful day in Wisconsin for Cap. I was slightly jealous, but he is getting in some well-deserved vacation time. Hey, that guy, David Kaplan, he can absolutely bring it over those last nine minutes. Everything you need to know, Chicago sports. We'll toss it to some Colts football after the timeout. That's following a scoreboard update. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From Parker Webster with Kevin Bowen from The Fan after this. Continuing again with the Network Indiana scoreboard updates here tonight as we look into high school football that started off our night. The Indiana Football Coaches Association held its North versus South All-Star game. We have a winner being the South taking the win 21-2 as the game ended early as we heard on the show earlier from Greg Rakestraw. It had to be ended due to players getting chippy on the field. The Tyler Roth MVP winner was Mooresville's Nick Patterson as 
He will have a future with Saginaw Valley College being the quarterback out there at D2 level. As we continue on with the scoreboard update, looking now here at NASCAR, they get ready for Sunday's race at 2.30 p.m. at in London, New Hampshire, the Crown 301. Current standings has William Bryan leading the way in the driver's standings with Martin Truex Jr. in second, Kyle Busch in third. Continuing on here, looking at the active scores here from around the action, the Houston Astros just now got two runs on the board in the top of the six. They take the lead against the Los Angeles Angels, 6-4, to four, with one out in the top of the sixth. Moving on with the Minnesota Twins and the Oakland A's, it is the top of the fifth with two outs still knotted at three apiece. Both teams continuing to slowly battle as the Twins got things going early in the top of the first inning, bringing in two runs. And the A's answered back in the third to tie everything up as we stand tied at three. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Parker Webster. Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk rolls on. I'm Brendan King in for the coach Bob Lovell. Time to talk some football with the one and only Kevin Bowen from 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kevin and Query each weekday morning 7 till 10. Kev, before actually I give you a Colts question, I need to congratulate you on your Cincinnati Reds. Into the All-Star break. First place, a game up on Milwaukee. A- actual serious question here. What does going into the break in first place do for the Cin- city of Cincinnati that is just so desperate for a winner in baseball? Wow, that is Gosh, the amount of maturity out of Brendan King. I didn't know that, <laughs> that, that you had that in yourself. So kudos to you on I'm that. I'm not a Cardinals be... fan. Come on now. <laughs> and we can both agree on that. Uh, I am going to be fully honest with you. I'm driving into work for the morning show this morning, and all of a sudden I start sweating thinking, oh, no, now it's real for the Reds. Like, And I don't know if you feel – I mean, again, I'm a Reds fan. I'm not used to this. Exiting the all-star break in a position that you're like, oh, my gosh, could this happen? Could this be the year? Like, I feel like in baseball, the first two and a half, three and a half months, I mean, yes, it matters, but it's all just positioning yourself for the race. And then the real race begins right now. And if you look at the schedule, I think it's the first 16 games out of the break are against teams in the playoffs or like a half game out. But to your question, I think it's unbelievable. Obviously, the Bengals has helped majorly for that city. But, I mean, you know full well, man, that is a baseball town and, the expectations were not grand coming into this season. And it's just rare for a major league baseball team sitting here in the middle of June and be like, yeah, they got rookies like all up and down the lineup and they're contributing at a really high level. And obviously the daily cruise storyline yeah. speaks for itself. So I hope they can keep it going. Um, and we'll see how active they are here in a couple of weeks. Kev, of course, the end of the All-Star break, it means that football training camp in the NFL right along the way, I think July, what, 26th is the day that the Colts open things at Grand Park. A ton of questions surrounding things. Let's start with the biggest question, Kev, and that's quarterback. Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew, any intel to what you think for those first few days of practice, who's going to get the majority of the snaps? Yeah, I would assume that you will get Minshew taking that kind of initial starting run, which is kind of what we saw there in the spring period. You know, there were days when we were out there that when you added up the reps, they would split them. But then I thought towards the end, Minshew probably got a little bit more than Richardson. So I just assume, you know, that that will be how they kind of operate early on. Didn't really get into that second week of camp. That's a full week of practice. Uh, you know, do you see any separation there? Do you see, you know, Richardson start to split more, et cetera, et cetera? And then obviously after that, 
you get into your first preseason game week, and that will be kind of the, the big time period when the calendar is in August of how it gets divvied up. So I think that's when we'll start to get some true tells, whereas in the spring it, you, you still weren't 100% sure exactly how they were handling that. But I would say the first week, you know, probably a little bit more to Minshew. Then once that calendar turns to August, that's when we're going to get a, a much truer answers on exactly how they view it. I was listening to the Jim Irsay interview with Pat McAfee, just like everybody else, and the Shaquille Leonard comments were obviously concerning. But I know usually before practice starts, you guys get that press conference with Chris Ballard, which I've sat in on before. It was interesting to be a part of. But are you expecting to get a definitive answer from Chris Ballard about what Shaq Leonard is or is not going to do this fall? You know, I think the only definitive nature we'll get from Ballard that day, which will be report day, you know, right before July 25th, right before, as you said earlier, July 26th, the first day for, for practice, I think the only definitive nature will be is he on the physically unable to perform list or not. You know, basically, what's going to happen in the next 24 to 48 hours? I think Chris Ballard is so freaked out by what happened with Andrew Luck. I guess a little bit of Shaquille Leonard in that he just doesn't want to offer anything definitively. And honestly, I would argue, Brendan, that I don't know how much the Colts truly know. I mean, at some point, yes, Shaquille Leonard's going to get out on a practice field. But the dude that had two back surgeries in the last 13 months, last year when he was on the field for the 70-some snaps he played, he, he was a liability. I mean, how can you definitively say really anything? Um, so I don't even think internally they know a whole lot. And I think Ursay's answer kind of pointed to that. Obviously, they hope at some point here he will get on the field. He'll string some days together. And you'll see if that second back surgery was the trick and, and more waiting period, uh, you know, did the trick. But, you know, I go back to 12 months ago, BK, in that if you end the year and you played through an injury and it's significant and you need surgery – you get that done early in the calendar year. You get that done January. You get that done February. Maybe you stretch it into March. And in Taylor's case, he had the ankle surgery earlier this year. He missed the spring. But as we saw or as we heard from Jim Mercer earlier this week, he's fully healed. In Leonard's situation last year, that first back surgery for him did not occur until June. Hmm. Uh, June is one of the worst months in the world for an NFL player to have a surgery because training camp then comes in late July. So, Last year, they went through those first five months of the year, and they felt like everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, Leonard gets out there early in OTAs last year. They deem that this back surgery is needed, and then lo and behold, he needs another one uh, in, in November. So that's where this situation does scream some, some Andrew Luck nature to it in that it's been difficult to diagnose. There's nerve stuff in there that's never ideal. And then I think you've got to remember how Leonard is a player. This is not a 310-pound offensive lineman that is maneuvering in a very small area of space on a given play and throughout a game. This is a 215-pound linebacker soaking wet, prides himself, and has to be at that peak athletic state to move sideline to sideline to be as effective as he is. So that's what adds to the difficulty in all this. Kev, last thing about the linebacker position, and I know expectations for this year. It's not like there are Super Bowl aspirations, at least from the media side, for this team, of course. How demoralizing can it be if this is worst-case scenario for Leonard when you look at that Bobby Okereke went to the Giants? I know they've been able to develop some pretty good linebackers over the year in EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin, but if this is worst-case for Leonard, how much does that hurt you as a franchise? It does, and I thought it was a good point that you made in that Bobby O'Carrake is no longer here. They did return EJ Speed, and they're really high on speed. I guess two things. One, you can look at a glass half full and say Chris Ballard has drafted 
unbelievably well at linebacker throughout his career. So you would think and hope that, you know, you could be able to withstand this loss. But two, and it's been so many years, or I guess so much time since Leonard has looked like this, it's hard to remember. Leonard brought something to the game that guys just don't do. You know, in the NFL, a lot of people believe it, and there's stats to back this up. Turnovers are luck. Turnovers come and go, and sure, you can be an aggressive and attacking defense, but year in and year out, it's hard to sustain turnover numbers and be super consistent with it. Leonard was like the exception to the rule of like he was doing it consistently year in and year out. So that's where you really feel his loss is he was bringing something from a takeaway standpoint that, again, guys, especially linebackers, just don't do. So I'm high on EJ Speed. I like him a lot. I know Franklin had a great season last year, but still, Peak Leonard is Peak Leonard, and you obviously miss a whole lot with that. Kevin Bowen from 93.5 and 107.5, the fan is our guest. Kev, we'll get you out of here on this. The contract extension talks for Jonathan Taylor. I was just looking back at past contracts for running backs, and I was drawn to Ezekiel Elliott because he's still a free agent, right? And in 19, on September 4th, he signed a 90 million, 50 mil guaranteed six-year deal, keeping him in Dallas at the time through 2026. I, is that contract a good example of why the Colts might be hesitant to give Taylor that massive running back contract? Yeah, I think you look at that one, you look at the Dalvin Cook one, if I'm not mistaken, I think Minnesota just cut Cook with two years left on the five-year yeah. extension that he had previously signed. So I think those are two um, contracts to look at. You know, it, it's interesting, because when you look at running back contracts, I think a lot of people would call Derrick Henry the best running back in the league. Henry makes $12.5 million, which is actually third on the running back list. Hmm. The guys that make the most are $15 million a year and $16 million a year, so a much higher number than 12 and a half in Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Well, what do Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey do? They catch the ball out of the backfield, hmm. and they're pretty much hybrid wideouts. Taylor is not that. Taylor's more of a Zeke. He's more of a Dalvin Cook. He's more of a Derrick Henry and that he's primarily a first and second down guy. So that's the question I have for this contract situation is this dude is an elite rare first second down guy he's durable he stands for everything that you want for off the field all those things but when you look at the contracts again he doesn't help you out a lot on third down so how is that going to weigh into it and what is the leverage point that both sides have so obviously we care about it in our market because it's the team we cover and obviously fans but i think nfl wide they're going to be paying a lot of attention to how this contract looks and you know what we might be a little bit away from it we might need a saquon barkley you know contract to drop we might need a Dalvin Cook situation to kind of play out before you get to Taylor considering he does have another year left on this rookie deal Kevin Bowen he is the best co-host of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan taking some time with us here on IST Kev appreciate it have a great weekend my man always enjoy raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. BK, have a good one, man. 
One last time for your scoreboard update tonight. I'm Parker Webster starting things off again where we began the night recapping the Dallas Mavericks taking down the Indiana Pacers in the last summer league game that matters for the Pacers, 112-91. to The Pacers will have an exhibition game tomorrow yet to be announced as we go through a couple of the numbers with Ben Shepard leading the night and scoring with 19 points, 2 assists, and 2 rebounds. Also in other Pacers news, Jarris Walker changes his jersey number from number 1 to number 5 with Obi Toppin taking number one. Moving on as we take a look at the baseball scores from tonight the Milwaukee Brewers get the best of the Cincinnati Reds winning one to nothing in the eighth meeting as that will that series will resume tomorrow at 7-10 again at Great American Ballpark. Chicago Cubs continue a home, ga- uh, home game stand with the Red Sox tomorrow night after they got beat 8-3 to by the fourth-best batting average team in the league. That, cons- that series continues tomorrow to 20 p.m. The St. Louis Cardinals and the Washington Nationals suspended in due to rain a one to nothing St. Louis Cardinals lead headed into tomorrow when the game will resume. So we take a look at the AAA affiliate Indianapolis Indians. They got the best of the Omaha Storm Chasers, winning 13 to five. The Fort Wayne Tin Caps falls short to the Great Lake Loons, two losing three to two. Again, as we take a look at other things happening, the WNBA All-Star Game happening tomorrow with Aaliyah Boston and Kelsey Mitchell. That game starts tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Parker Webster. Last couple segments of the night. Hey, how about this? South Bend Cubs down to their funnel out in Davenport, Iowa. Take a two-run lead on the Quad Cities River Band. It's 6-4. South Bend up on QC. Top nine. Looking for a comeback win. Cubs were down at tally. And unfortunately, this ball game, it doesn't look like it's going to finish in time for us to chat with my great broadcast partner with South Bend, Max Toma. But Max will surely be on the show tomorrow, as will John Nolan. We'll hope to hear from Howard Kelman as well. Late one for the Indianapolis Indians. As you heard Parker Webster say, 13-5, the Indians took down the Omaha Storm Chasers. Big time for the Indians. They scored 10 runs in the first three innings. Indians improving to 41-46 and on the year. 10 caps fall to the Great Lakes Loons, 3-2. That came from Dow Diamond in Midland, Michigan. I'm Brendan King. Parker Webster and Jonathan Smith along for the ride here tonight as well. Jonathan Smith, you brought up an interesting, interesting, I don't even know if to call it a statistic or a failure or what by the Chicago White Sox, but lay it on me. Oh, yes. So for the first time ever, ever. the White Sox. In, in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball Never history. happened since 1875. The White Sox are the first team to get shut out ground into at least four double plays, walk at least nine guys, and give up at least nine runs. Now, that's not the craziest thing about this, BK. One time, 2004, August 21st, the Mets did the exact same thing, minus getting shut out. They grounded into four double plays, walked nine-plus guys, gave up over nine runs, and they won. They beat the Giants. (laughs) How? I have no idea. That's what makes baseball. Wait, great, they though. did everything except get shut out, right? And they won. And they won. But the Sox got shut out, so that adds to that list. Yes. Man. Wild. The Chicago David Kaplan talked about it at eleven fifteen. Something about this White Sox team is not clicking. And by the way, I gotta 
on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, I got to cut up the audio when he gives me credit for the Long Island iced tea analogy because I, I thought long and hard about that one and then, and then laid it on cap. But, man, something is seriously wrong with the Chicago White Sox. And it, it goes back to Jerry Reinsdorf wanting to relive the glory days when he hired Tony LaRusa because, remember, it was not Jerry Reinsdorf's idea to fire Tony LaRusa before Tony LaRusa went on to his Hall of Fame managerial career. It was Hawk Harrelson, who was in charge of the Chicago White Sox at the time. Now Hawk Harrelson is a Ford Frick Award winner in Major League Baseball broadcasting and a part of the Hall of Fame. But I can tell you for dang sure that Hawk Harrelson regrets firing Tony LaRusa. But even more so, the Sox sent themselves up for failure the moment they hired Tony LaRussa and then the moment that they fired him. Well, they didn't really fire him. They parted ways with him. But you just knew that was going to send you on a tailspin because they went with a guy with zero managerial experience or what David Kaplan described is an out-of-bounds and a locker room that is not able to get along. For some reason, the Chicago White Sox, with all their power, Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and all the firepower that they've spent and put together. They've drafted well. They have produced players well. They absolutely robbed the Cubs of Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana. I'll say that on the air right now. It absolutely is the case. But there is something that is not going right at guaranteed right field. And to be honest with you guys, I don't think anybody in their right mind in that organization knows how to fix it. Because Jerry Reinsdorf, bless his heart, the guy blessed the city of Chicago with six championships with the Chicago Bulls, and now Jerry Reinsdorf is he's trying to go out on one more, one more with the Chicago White Sox, but he has invested all this time in it, and I don't know if he's going to be able to pull it off. He's getting older. Kenny Williams didn't work. He's now an assistant under Rick Hahn, and the city of Chicago just, boy, the Chicago White Sox. Who would have thought that they might be the farthest feeling team from a championship in that city right now? Because the Blackhawks are getting Connor Bedard. The Bulls have been built a lot better. The White Sox might be the furthest from a title, and they haven't won a playoff series since 2005. Back to wrap it up after the break. Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. One to go on IST. Brendan King. Glad to be with you to conclude a Friday night. Again, back with you tomorrow night in for the Coach Bob Lovell, 9.30 to midnight on your local network Indiana affiliate. Let's say thanks to the guys. Parker Webster on the updates. Parker, best thing you saw tonight. What is it? BK, I'm going to have to go with at least a little biased here. I'll, I'll just give kudos to Nick Patterson on yeah. securing the MVP, my alma mater of Mooresville High School. So shout out to him, nod to Mooresville High School, at least on that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, aside from that, unfortunately the Pacers could not get a win. But, you know, hey, some positive is in there tonight. If you can sacrifice a couple summer league wins for regular season wins, I'm cool with that, brother. Good stuff, Parker Webster. We appreciate you. Thank you, Brendan. You got it. Jonathan Smith, you are in the update chair tomorrow. I so am. hopefully a little bit more going on tomorrow than tonight, no? Uh, we got the WNBA all, uh, All-Star game yeah. going on tomorrow night. That'll be a big one. And we've got a couple um, – oh, my gosh. Why am I blanking on our women's team name right now? The Fever the or the fever. 11? Uh, the Fever. Yeah, the you know, Fever. Yeah. We, we got a couple girls playing in that, so that'll be a hot topic. Obviously, we got baseball going on. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good night tomorrow night. I'm excited. 
Uh, what was I going to say? That who? Oh yeah, that's right. Who? Where does your major league baseball fandom lie? Oh, the Chicago Cubs. Man. You're a Cubs guy. Okay, oh, good. huge. Good. WGN growing up. I grew up in Tennessee. I was going to say we we we'd come. You home. got good old Channel Nine. Oh yes, we would come home from church on Sundays, and if it wasn't football season, we were watching the Cubs, as it should be. Yeah, as it, I, I miss Channel Nine. And, you know, even though uh, Marquis done a great job, you, you definitely those are the stories you miss. Yes, the people growing up on the West Coast watching in California, the people that grew up in the South or in Tennessee or Kentucky, and then. You know, you even got if sometimes in New York or Boston, you learn about people watching WGN. I mean, it was a national channel that, of course, I mean, times have changed and it's just a completely different thing. So is WGN Radio, but it's cool that or at least our generation still has those stories oh, that yeah. people in their twenties can still talk about that mm-hmm. because it was really a special time. Derek Lee was my guy growing D. up. D. Lee, yes, he was my guy. I wanted to play first base. And, I, and then I grew to be five foot eight. Okay, ended up playing shortstop, which is fine. That's okay. So, hey, your boy Christian Franklin from Arkansas. He's five foot eight. I know he's he a is. center fielder. It's my guy. Yeah, I love, I love Frank. He's so good, man. Yeah, I think he's going to be a solid player. He he's just back from injury today. Is his first game back with the South Sweet. Bend Cubs. So, I like to see it. Him, Casey Opitz, Connor Nolan, the whole bunch. They're going to do some good stuff. Jonathan Smith, Parker Webster, appreciate you guys. It's Brendan King with you on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Thanks to all of our guests, of course, Alex Golden, Darren Pritchett, Greg Rankstrom, John Nolan, David Kaplan, and Kevin Bowen for hopping on. Tomorrow night, another packed show. We'll cover everything, minor league baseball, major league baseball, Pacers, Colts, college football, anything and everything on the docket here on Summertime IST. Again, grateful to be a part of all the talented hosts that get to sit in this chair as we go along all summer long. Guys like Eddie Garrison and Derek Schultz and Greg Rakestraw. But the legend, Coach Bob Lovell, he is back with you less than a month from now for season number 30. Thanks for being with us on the legendary Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.